You're listening to Let's All Laugh At, a podcast by Extra Time Talk, part of the Last Word on Sports Network. Hello and welcome to Let's All Laugh At, a podcast that discusses all the latest and greatest football stories of the week, including having a bit of fun at someone else's expense along the way. I'm your host for today, George Pavlou, editor at Extra Time Talk and Crystal Palace fan. Joining me, I have last word on football writer and Newcastle fan, Andrew Aziz. So, good to have you, mate. Um, unfortunately, it's, it's just Andrew. Tonight's nice me and Andrew. George and Matt can't make it, unfortunately. Um, but that's all right. There's, there's more than enough entertainment between us. I'm, I'm sure yeah. of that. Be less Chelsea talk this week. Yeah. That, that's... <laughs> It's a shame as well because you know there's always some things to talk about with Chelsea and it's always good to get George's insight. Um, but we can say that for another time. I'm sure people are probably sick of us talking about that at this point. Anyways, yeah. uh, but anyways, uh, so been a quite a busy week um, in terms of football. Uh, so we'll start with the most recent ga- big games of the week, the Champions League. Uh, so I guess the first place we should probably start is um, Manchester City. Mm. You know, last night three two against Schalke after being two one down for most of the game as well, um, conceding two penalties. And then, you know, pulling it back to 2-2 and then an absolutely brilliant free kick from Sané to get to make it 3-2. Um, I mean, Andrew... Sané made it 2-2 and then Sterling two-two. made it 3-2. All right, my bad. Sorry, yeah. I only caught the, actually caught the first half of the game, so I didn't see the last bit. Um, but still. Uh, but yeah, um, I mean, 2-2 would have been a great result. But 3-2 even better, don't you think? Yeah, I think... I mean, I, I watched the game. Um, it, first half was a bit of a mismatch in terms of City was so much better. And then, like, out of nowhere, Schalke got two penalties. Yeah. Um, you know, you got in the context of the game, like, Schalke are 14th in the Bundesliga. So, a bit of a mismatch when you consider City are pushing for the top. Um, I mean, a huge drop-off from Schalke. You know, they, they came second last year, and this year they're 14th. So, they've been a bit of a crisis club. But they did pretty well. Experts, man, Bentaleb with the two goals. Um, both VAR, which is good to see, because... I think the ref probably wouldn't have given them um, if it wasn't for VAR. So uh, you thought you thought the VAR was right then. You thought decisions were both penalties. Yeah, for both penalties. And Guardiola said the same thing, which is nice to see. You don't see many. Ma- I guess it's easier when you've won the game. But um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but generally, I thought yeah, he he they. I think the thing with VAR, which I'm coming around to, is there's going to be more goals because there'll be more penalties and there'll be more goals because you know they tend to be a bit more cautious the refs so if you have a video then you've got more chance at the end of the day that's what we want to see we want to see goals we don't want to see you know after Tuesday where we had two nil nils I was glad to see a few goals so uh, um, yeah second half Otamendi quite stupid to get sent off I think he got caught in a bad position and you know he had to go because second yellow and then but City responded really well what a free kick. I mean, I don't know what you thought. That's probably one of the best free kicks I've seen in a while. Yeah, it reminded me of um it reminded me somewhat of Dimitri Pius free kick against us for West Ham a few years ago. Uh where instead of going in nearest corner to him, he puts it right in the other corner instead, right in the right in the top corner, like pinpoint. It was such a good free kick. Um yeah. so yeah, it's the sort of thing he can do. Yeah. I like the way he was quite respectful as well. Obviously he's played for Schalke, he was like, I'm not gonna celebrate which, you know, he didn't need to do that. And then the third goal from Sterling, I mean, Edison's pass is ridiculous. I mean, how he's... I still find it hard to believe he's a goalkeeper when he does passes like that. Well, it's the sort of keeper you would expect in the Guardiola side, to be fair. That's yeah. the one thing he'd emphasise is passing. 
Yeah, but that's what they said about Claudio Bravo. I'm sure Claudio Bravo didn't do that. So. <laughs> no, well, of course, yeah, but Pep clearly realised after signing him that he needed someone yeah. to actually make a couple of saves as well. So it's yeah. worked out great in both senses. Um, but yeah, um, I, I agree. I think that the. Um, I mean, yeah, Schalke, um, you know, it's almost like they lacked a bit of creative spark in the midfield. Um, you know, someone like a Max Meyer, per se, who maybe could have made the difference. <laughs> but, but, yeah, you're right. It has been a strange season for Schalke. Um, I mean, you know, again, like you say, 14th in the Bundesliga, very much in crisis in terms of them from it. It's sort of having a similar season to when Chelsea were, I suppose, a few seasons ago after Mourinho. It's sort of their equivalent, even though they didn't win the league last year, obviously. So it's not quite the same, but still... Um, but they definitely, I mean, I remember when I, I first, you know, I, you know, when City scored, I thought, well, it's going to be a fairly routine win from here. They'll probably get, you know, maybe two or three more and, you know, go on to win the game fairly comfortably. Um, but yeah, obviously two penalties rightly given, um, and Schalke did well to get back into it, I thought, and they'll be really disheartened that they conceded, conceded two and are going into the second leg and into the Etihad, you know, behind, because I think they, they, they performed well enough to deserve, deserve more in my, my opinion they just haven't quite got the quality that City have yeah I think I think to be honest it's it's a bit similar to last year when City played Basel there's like just yeah. clear clear two two teams which just mismatch really and I think you know once we get into the I mean there's been some quality last 16 games but once we get into the quarterfinals all the matches now will be of a high quality yeah, absolutely. And City are going to have to certainly perform better than that over the full 90 minutes if they want a chance of winning the Champions League. Yeah. Big issue with them still is their reliance on Fernandinho. When yeah. he had to, he played differently yesterday, played much, much deeper. When he plays that role, they lose something in the middle, they become more and more open. And I feel when he doesn't play well, City don't play well because he he's obviously the one who gets the ball back for them from the midfield. And I Still, I'm quite surprised that they didn't go and um, rectify that situation in, in terms of like get, bringing in someone, someone in in January, because someone like Fabian Delph has just not been good enough um, this season, and they really, I think that's the one position they are lacking everywhere else. Maybe left back as well, because obviously Bendy's been injured, but everywhere else, I think they're really, really strong. So. I think that might just might be the thing which means they might just miss out on Champions League glory this year. Yeah, uh, it's certainly the one position that they are lacking depth-wise. Um, and with, with Guardiola's style of play, it's so important that you have someone in that midfield who can win the ball back so that you can get back to that sort of style. Um, and that could cost them later in the tournament. Um, but yeah, OK, uh, moving on from that game. Um, the other big, the most um, exciting game of the tie was um, Atletico v Juventus, also on the same night. Um, Atletico ended up 2-0 winners in the end. Um, so yeah, what were your thoughts on that game? Yeah, I think Atletico will be so pleased with, her, with that result. To beat Juventus, Juventus came in, like all the media reports were about how this is the year they've got Cristiano now, they've, you know, the, this is the year they're going to finally do it. It's been a long time since Juventus won the Champions League, you know, and they were, you know, lots of, there was a lot of expectation on them and um, they really struggled. They struggled. Atletico is poss- possibly one of the most difficult teams to play against. Um, you know, they've got a very set structure. They all kind of know the roles. They tend to sit deep and use counter-attack. And, you know, even though they've still got Alvaro Morata playing for them, they do have some really 
like some world class attacking players. <laughs> um, they, uh, you know, they did get the two goals, and Juventus were awful. It's not for lack of trying from Ronaldo. I thought he actually did a good job generally. Um, he tried his best, but uh, it's going to be difficult now for them because the one team you don't want to be sitting on a lead really is Atletico because. They enjoy defending. For me, with their centre-backs in Godin, Jimenez, they have some of the best centre-backs going. And, um, you know, Simeone is not scared to... You know, he's got to two Champions League finals. So, you know, he knows how to get through these games. So it's going to be a big ask for Juventus. And um, I think for Ronaldo, I know, you know, he was getting a lot of... Obviously, because of his Real Madrid links, he was getting a lot of stick from the fans and him showing, you know, I've won five Champions League. But I think in his mind, what he wants to do is he wants to be one of the, you know, one of the few players to have won the Champions League with three different clubs. So um, I think Clarence Seedoff's the other one. So uh, it's a good target for him. But he, he, they'll really need to up their game if they want to beat uh, Atletico next um, in two weeks' time. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think again, Juventus was always going to be a case of who the most solid defence works. They're both very much, you know, sort of not really conservative teams, but more certainly more uh, the most organised, you know, sort of defensive line across across Europe. So it was a case of whose attackers were going to be able to nick the goals the best. And I think that with Juventus, I think they've always got a chance in the second leg, and particularly with um, with Ronaldo, even if he, you know, he has his off game for sure. But at the same time, he, he is still he does still have that quality about him. But they're going to have to put in a really good performance in the second leg, I think, um, if they're going to want to if they're going to want to recover that game. But as for Atletico, um, they've certainly got a real chance. I mean, how far do you think they could go in this tournament if they were to beat Juventus? Um, I still think they don't have enough goals in the team. You know, even though they've got you know Griezmann, Costa, Lamar, Morata. Um, you know, Morata, not the same player before moving to Chelsea. Um, but they, for me, they still lack a few goals. And I still think they might be a little bit short to win it. But um, I think, for me, I thought Juventus would have a really good chance because they've, you know, they're so far ahead. They, they're able to rest players now if they wanted to before the Champions League games. They uh, obviously they've gone out the Italian Cup, which also helps. So that means they're a bit more fresh for the Champions League, and you know they put all their money. You know they were winning the league anyway before Ronaldo, so they've gone and they've gone and spent that money because they want to win the Champions League. So if they do go out, I think that'll be a huge disappointment for Max Allegri, and um, you know they've had two recent Champions League finals. Where obviously you know they lost to Barca and lost to Real Madrid. They really want to get back there and win it so they can prove you know that you know they are they can still win it and it'd be good for Italian football as well. But it's going to be so difficult. So I think Atletico could go all the way. Um, it'd be interesting to see. Interesting, yeah. I think for Simeone, he's been there ten years now, so he's he's probably got in terms of like the top teams it's got the most longevity i think i read as well that he's the highest paid manager in the world seriously yeah wow. you wouldn't think you wouldn't think no. that, would you? you you think of them as being more frugal and you know why you think it would be a premier league side like you know a united or city manager or someone but yeah yeah i think yeah i would expect pep to be probably the, I, I mean i would expect but yeah i read that yeah 
statistically the um, the best paid manager in the world now. So, and probably rightly so. He's you know he's he, I mean he's managed to win the league when no one ever expected Bar uh, Barcelona Madrid to let that league go. So uh, he's 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 done an incredible job. It's just a shame that him signing a new contract. I, I would have liked to have seen him in the Premier League, but it seems to me he wants to establish that kind of era at Atletico. So it might be a while till we see him in the Premier League. Yeah, there's no doubt he's built one hell of a legacy there, and I'm sure Atletico fans would say that he's probably worth being the most the highest paid manager in the world. Um, yeah, let's hope they don't mean Real Madrid in the Champions League final then. Uh, if, uh, so, anyways, um, so the last game I suppose is really of no to talk about. Um, so, ironically, the most anticlimactic of the bunch, when I thought was probably going to be the best, was uh, Liverpool v Bayern. I mean, based on current form, you would probably have expected Liverpool to have won that tie, and you know, maybe have established a fairly firm lead going into the second leg. Um, but it wasn't. It was a nil-nil draw. Um, Liverpool certainly had their chances, but couldn't take any of them. It was just, just quite a disappointing night from all... Apart from... Unless you're a Bayern fan, of course. Um, it's just a disappointing night um, as far as everything is concerned. Yeah, I think, uh, for me, the game first half was very high quality in terms of pressing and moving the ball and creating space and creating chances and I thought the game would open up more in the second half but actually the game kind of Bayern just set I think Bayern were happy with the draw um they kind of they couldn't really get Lewandowski into the game the player who offered kind of the most attacking outlet was Serge Gnabry who had a few shots cutting in from the right he looked like a decent you know considering that you know Tony Pulis had him at West Brom and never used him which just tells you that some some people can't judge players isn't it he's now playing for Bayern Munich <laughs> he couldn't you know he couldn't get in at um couldn't get in at West Brom ahead of Matt Phillips but you know he's now playing for Bayern Munich um yeah that's and, definitely one of the most bizarre signings um in a while um yeah. that I've seen I mean, I know I can't, but I always find it like I know we, I haven't mentioned him for a bit, but Pardew was given Tevez and Mascarano, and picked Hayden Mullins and Marlon Harewood ahead. Well, I I think that was some sort of you know some sort of transfer. Um, I don't think that was because he did he, they did play. He chose he he said they weren't suited to the Premier League. Well. Maybe we all well we all yeah maybe we all know that transfer was pretty dodgy in the end especially if you ask Neil Warnock um but yeah I it is it does bring back shades of stuff like that as well for sure it's not like um, Neil Warnock I mean dodgy transfers no absolutely not of course especially not with you know clubs where I don't have that much money to spend um <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I mean. I mean, you know, it's weird that we're talking about, you know, not be not being able to score against Bayern as, as a bad result. Um, but when you consider the form that Liverpool were on, and you know, the fact that it's at home as well, and going to the Allianz is never an easy task. Well, I suppose they'll sort of see it as a missed opportunity, wouldn't you say? I think for me, one of the things I've noticed from Liverpool since the start of this season, there was an interesting stat I read. Since the start of 2019, they're averaging about 1.7 to 1.8 goals a game while City are averaging 3.3. And for me, their big issue at the moment is the three in midfield. Um, so on Tuesday, they played Keita, uh, Wijnaldum and Henderson. And for me, they're all like they're all you know good defensively. They can get from box to box. They've got mobility. But for me, none of them can open a defence up with a, you know, a splitting pass. 
Uh, Wijnaldum is probably the best one out of those three for that, to be honest. But for me, none of them are none of them are in the mould of like a De Bruyne, a Silva, a even Gundogan. We would, you know, he can open teams up with a pass. Those three, they're really good workhorses, and I think that was fine as long as the front three were scoring. But the, even the front three, you know, Firmino's not been the same this year. I think he's only got ten goals. Um, Salah. Obviously, he had such such high levels that he's one of the top goal scorers, but he's not as prolific as last year. Mane is the one who I think is the danger man. Whenever I've watched them recently, I just think he's by far their most attacking threat. He's always getting involved. He's so busy. He goes past people, creates space, gets chances, and he could have had he could have had one or two against Bayern. So I think the fact that their goals are dwindling is a big worry for them because you know they've got a tough game this weekend and. Just looking at the second leg, can you know have they got enough goals in them to go to Bayern and beat Bayern? We've got to remember, Liverpool lost to Partizan Belgrade, Napoli, and PSG in the group stages, so they lost all three away games. So it's going to be very, very tricky for them to go to Bayern as well, a rejuvenant Bayern because they are chasing down Borussia Dortmund at the moment. Um, so it'll be interesting, interesting to see if they can do. And with a because obviously Klopp is desperate for that trophy, really, isn't he? Because he he's he's been to two finals and not won them. Yeah, uh, no doubt. And I think with I think as far as Liverpool's you know attack versus defense is concerned, we all know that's been their problem for years with their defense. But it's almost like they're focused a bit too much on it. That that now that their attack is suffering as a result. And I think in regards to the title race in the Premier League, City are obviously winning more games and winning by bigger margins, but they're also losing more. Because their defense is is the is not as, as solid as, as Liverpool's is, but with Liverpool, even though they've lost less games, they're also dropping more points. So you know, silly draws against the likes of Leicester, just scraping through a win against against Palace, and we really you know had no right to play as well as we did that day either. So it's I think in regards to as far as that's concerned, in the Champions League as well, you you it has you have to do both so brilliantly. Uh, you have to have a solid defense, and you have to particularly when you're home, you have to have that attacking flair that can give you the advantage over teams. Um, so for me, I think Liverpool will certainly be focusing more on the Premier League than they will the Champions League because, you know, it, it's been the much longer times so they've won the Premier League, then they've won the, the top flight and it's been hanging over them for much, much longer. But it's like you say, Klopp needs that first trophy, otherwise it's going to sort of be a bit like Pochettino where they look at it and say, all right, they had some good seasons and played some good footballs, but did they actually win anything? Is it going to last? Is this going to be a season that people talk about for years to come so you know the pressure is definitely on them to speak and I think it's because of that pressure since Guardiola has already won so much we proved so much with City that I think in terms of the Premier League City are going to end up going on to win it uh, but that's just me it'll be interesting to see how things pan out for the both of them in the Premier League and the Champions League for sure forgot to mention Barcelona Leon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um after Giva and Suarez missed a few chances but again another nil-nil so we can swiftly move on. <laughs> yeah, well, with Leon, I mean, it was certainly a good performance from them. And, you know, it's a shame they couldn't take something into the second leg because Barcelona are probably going to wrap that up now. Um, but, you know, I'll, be, I'll look forward to seeing, you know, all their, all their team going to Real Madrid and PSG in the next year. Because um, we all know they're not going to keep together um, after the season that they've had. But anyway, uh, sort of staying in the Champions League then... Um, one of the big talking points of the Atletico-Juventus game, uh, once again, was VAR. Um, Atletico had, 
I think it was two penalties denied mm. by VAR. But it's it sort of sparked up the debate again that, you know, the VAR was there, so why isn't it being used? Is it, is it Does VAR even make a difference at all? Um, so, I mean, sort of opens that debate up again. So where do we start with this one, Andrew? Well, I think if Matt was here, he would say, well, they're not, the officials are not trained. They don't know what they're doing still. And my <laughs> issue was with the not first... Not going to try and do his voice, his accent? Um, <laughs> my issue was with the first... Um, with the first penalty, it was this is City Schalke. The first penalty, it was so clear, it was really clear. And like they had a technology fault as well at the time, where the, the technology failed them for a little bit, which obviously delays the game, delays the, the stoppages. But for me, um, they they came to the right decision. I'm just a bit worried about how long it took them. However, people say to me, football is so stop-start, football is so stop-start. I'm sorry, but football used to be like that. But now we have players who feign injury, who have to have the um, physio come on for a bit, and it's no longer the just constant flow in football. And that's why I don't mind if they take a bit more time to, to make a decision about a game-changing decision like a penalty, a red card, or a goal, rather than... Because all the time you see players... They go down injured, they kick the ball out, the the physio comes on, does nothing, just taps him on the wherever it's hurting, and then he magically appears. And that that takes 30 seconds to a minute out of the game anyway. So I'm not so for me, the VAR probably just needs to speed up a bit from what I saw from Schalke City. But I think it's a good thing. And like I said at the beginning, more goals. That's all we that's all we want to see. We want to see more goals. We don't want to be seeing nil nils. Um, you know, I, people want to see goals. That's like American fans watch football all the time, and that soccer, or as they call it, soccer. And they say, "How can you watch a game for so long and nothing happen in terms of goals?" So, how can how, to, to count that? I'm going to say, "How can you watch a game that has a billion adverts in it between each really? play?" I mean, yeah. I mean, I could barely. I mean, I watch the Super Bowl. I could barely look at that, but that, that's a separate topic, anyways. Um, yeah. I mean, in terms of the whole flow of football, I mean. I, I get what you mean, that the players are a lot more, you know, it's all the time-wasting sort of thing, and they just want to capitalise on that as much as possible. But do you not think we could... Do you not think the argument that we could... There's an argument that we could potentially do both at the same time, that we could both cut back on the amount that players are feigning injury, and we can speed VAR up so it's not wasting too much time? Do you think actually... I think they could speed VAR up, but it's going to take a bit of time for them to get... You know, remember, this is the first time they've been using it in the Champions League. So there's always going to be a few teething problems. Obviously, they've used it at the World Cup. They've used it in Serie A. They've used it in the French League as well. But it's going to take a bit of time. So, it's, But soon, you know, it should, hopefully, it will improve. They'll get quicker. They'll make quicker decisions and so forth. Um, I, Like I said, for me, game-changing decisions... I'd rather they take a bit of time because the game doesn't flow as much as it used to. Like, whatever anyone says, it does not flow as much as it used to. Um, there are stoppages all the time. And so I'd rather they take just a bit more time with those kind of decisions. And to be honest, like I said, I think if the ref had been just refing the Shark City game on his own... Like without VAR, I don't think he would have given those two penalties, and it wouldn't have been as exciting a match. So, for me, you know, it is worth it, and it will get better. It just needs time and patience, and people not to keep saying. I know, like, I was listening to Stuart Pearce the other day, 
and he was just going on about how he doesn't like it and how he's but then he was moaning about Frank Lampard's goal, you know, England Germany. So, it, you know, yeah, I think there's a generational thing in there. There's like a generational, generational thing. Um, yeah. yeah, sort of an unwillingness to change in some sense, which I'm sure we can all sympathise with um, to a degree. But I certainly agree with you that if you want correct decisions, and I think overall, with how many times referees miss penalties, you would see more goals just by following the rule. It's not a case of abusing VAR to try and make the game more exciting. It's about actually you can do both at the same time, um, but I mean also with with in terms of the athlete with regards to the Atletico uh, Juventus game, I mean like you said there was VAR on hand and it wasn't used to um, to get the penalty. We could have seen even more goals in that game, uh, the penalties. Mm. So, do you think it's actually more of a case of not necessarily the VAR itself, but an unwillingness to use it? I've made so I've certainly made this point before, but it's the one thing I think they should consider using it is let's let's say. The ref isn't happy to to look at the decision, but the um, the manager is sure it's a penalty. Then I think they should be able, maybe for a maximum of say one or two decisions in a match, to be able to play like some sort of joker card or something, and then they have a look at it on the replay, because you know it, that happens in some sports. It happens in tennis. Um, it's an idea because of that. Sometimes they're unwilling to use it, so maybe that could help. It's just we. Do, I just don't want misjustices in football. This, you know, so many games are changed by the simple thing. You know, um, like I just mentioned, you know, that game England Germany where we went and lost four one, and at two one we have a goal unfairly disallowed. We, you know, you don't know what would have happened. Like. So it can it can make huge differences. So if we can support the referees, because at the end of the day, the referee just wants to make the good decision. He doesn't want to be remembered as the guy who you know didn't do this or didn't do that or disallowed a famous goal. So you know, I think we just need to help them and just tell them like VAR is there for you to help you. It's not there to undermine you. And then maybe they you know we'll see better decisions and we'll see fairer results. Yeah, um, I certainly certainly agree with that, and I think that with VAR, the the argument about VAR that really bugs me uh, is that you know it takes the whole sort of you know real aspect out of the game, like the whole you know referees getting decisions wrong or sort of there's all the romanticism and all this sort of thing. Like, yeah, you really think people are going to miss yelling at the referee for not getting a decision right? My no, my, all... fav- my favorite argument is what is it? Is they say, oh, you know, so that the down the pub, you can have a chat about whether it's a penalty or it's not a penalty. I'm really sorry, but if <laughs> because there's like, absolutely nothing else in football to talk about down the if pub. We wanted, other than yeah, exactly. If we weren't, if we weren't talking about the referee decision, we'd actually talk about the sports and the actual football and like about this, you know, form player, what they think, what the managers like, other stuff. I find the discussing referee decisions constantly quite boring to be honest i'd rather they get the decision right and we have a fair result you know so um yeah yeah i, I, totally... I don't really understand that argument i and i the other i think the other argument that people say is well you can't have var you know in the national league or league two or you know but at the end of the day the top leagues it is a money thing now they generate so much money and some of these decisions can you know really change clubs for years on end you know if you get relegated or you get into the champions league it can make huge huge differences so i think it is worth the money and you know unfortunately it has changed it's become a business and if we can support the referees to make the right decision i think it's a good idea
Yeah, I think we should definitely use VAR as more of like a, like an, that's why VAR is an assistance tool. We shouldn't use it as like the, we shouldn't use it as the be all and end all decisions, but we also shouldn't disregard it when we need it as well. There's got to be a balance. Yeah. Um, Matt, Matt will be uh, shouting, shouting. Yeah, no, I'm sure he's screaming at his computer already listening to this, uh, but he's not on the show. So if you want to get your butt up here and have a conversation with us, Matt, then go right ahead. But for the time <laughs> being, you can sit there and just watch us blabber. But <laughs> anyways, might have been slightly harsh there. Um, But uh, anyway, uh, sorry. Uh, I mean, we now have our quarterfinalists, and by far the biggest game was uh, Chelsea against Manchester United. Um, and yeah, 2-0 win for Man United. Probably the most predictable result, to be honest, considering the form of both teams. All right, United lost to PSG midweek, but other than that, they've certainly been a lot more solid than Chelsea have. Um, so, I mean, I, I thought it was quite an entertaining game overall, particularly the first half. But yeah, it's, it's certainly a chance for United to... Um, you know, it's a chance for United to regain a trophy to sort of, you know, regain a bit of um, a bit of dignity, so to speak, um, since the start of the season. Uh, don't you think? Yeah, I think I think for me the thing I hate Man United. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah. They've been yeah. so successful for so many years, but uh, their tempo was really impressive. I've got to say, the way they pressed the ball, the way they used the ball, um, Herrera and Pogba got round the pitch so so well. Chelsea, you know, the first the, with the first goal, Pogba's cross is incredible for Herrera. And then with the second goal, Rashford, I mean, David Luiz's defending is very, very dodgy. He just lets him, gives him time and space to open his body option to cross the ball. But Rashford's cross is just perfectly tied for Pogba. And, you know, they, they've, they've come across the system which is working for them. Um, I know, obviously, they had that game against PSG where they were kind of outclassed a bit. And um, but for me, so far in the Premier League, you know they've they've really showed a different tenacity, different ideas, different way of playing. And Shoshka has really changed things tactically and also in terms of like we would never have seen Pogba getting so far forward, running, being able to express himself freely. It has been a huge turnaround, and I think that you know they've got they have got a really good chance to. You know, as long as it for me, as long as they avoid City, I think they'll probably get to the final. But Wolves away is a tough game, so you know, it'll be interesting to see. And I think the more he wins, I mean, they're going to have to give him the job now because if they sacked him, if they didn't, the people will be like, "How can you let a manager go who's won thirteen out of fourteen games?" I think. I mean, I don't think that. I mean, he drew against Burnley, and he drew against So, like, it's it's not quite. You know, only lost, only not won one game. But, like you say, yeah, it's still a very good run of form, all the same. But I mean, I suppose the argument is, is that is it's just a sort of a new manager bounce? Is this going to carry necessarily carry on to next season? I mean, we saw how he did. Mm. But new manager bounce um, usually for a couple of games. <laughs> Well, he is only, he is only about to be fair. He's still only about you know two months into his into his contract, so it's not really you know I I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's United's decision in the day, but I'm still I, I still feel like that has there's always that little bit of doubt for me that it's going to go wrong next season. But certainly on current merit, you know, you can't say he doesn't at least earn the shout for the job because he certainly has. Um, this joke about Alan Shearer, I didn't I didn't like that. No, that was no, not at all, not at all. Um, Basically, Shoshka was saying, oh, you know, uh, 
you know, the FA Cup's very important to me. I won it in 19... He was talking to the BBC at this time. And he was like, oh, I won it in 1999. And then he... The way he said it was quite funny. But he said, Kashira was in the studio. He goes, Alan, were you playing in that game? I didn't notice you. (laughs) It was a real good put down. To be fair, Shira laughed it off. But it was quite funny, I've got to say. So, fair fair, fair enough to... I I forgot about that. I thought you were talking about me making like an odd dig at Shira or something. I was like, where did that come from? No, I wasn't implying anything of the sort, but yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean, again, one of the things that Matt keeps going on about um, when he talks about this, you know, when we have these conversations is that, I mean, the, the, the effort was just not there from the United players. And now all of a sudden that Mourinho's gone, they're sort of putting in that effort again. Um, do, do you think it's a case of that? Or like you said, do you think it's a case of Solskjaer just actually trying to play a system that works for them and putting his arm around them and giving you a bit of confidence? Well, where, does the, 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 where do you draw the line with that sort of thing, so to speak? I think it's more than that now. I think you could have said that before, but he's gone to Chelsea and won. He's gone to Spurs and won. He's gone to Arsenal and won. So there's the three of the like top six teams, really. Um, so I think... As well, I think he can see he has a he compared to Mourinho for me, he has a style of play that he knows and he wants to play. So, I think if he was given transfer window, he would go and he would get that defender that they clearly need. Um, because they're still relying on like Jones and Bailly, and he would also go and get another center mid because I think he wants another one who can do the kind of the Matic, could play in Matic's role or play in Pogba and Herrera's role. I think he knows the type of players that he wants to play this high press. Um, like, I can't see Lukaku staying if he's Shoshikar stays. I've got to say that. Um, every time I watch Lukaku play in the Shoshikar team, except for the Arsenal away game, he looks like someone who's playing a different style of play to everyone else. Everyone else is trying to pass it far forward fast, trying to release the ball quickly get forward, get into space. Lukaku's still kind of playing the Mourinho style. So I can't see, if if, if Shoshka was to say, I can see Lukaku's days being numbered. But I think if he was given time, I think he would be able to find, kind of identify the players that he wants. And I think the biggest thing for him is he's, he's he's got Ferguson to talk to. He's got Mike Phelan on his side. So he's got lots of experience around him. And it does, does help um, when you're taking on such a big job to have you know, someone just to lean on and just to ask. and to So I think he's got a lot of support. And I, if, if you're given the chance, I think he could do a really good job for them. Yeah, I think you're certainly right as far as that's concerned. And, and for Chelsea, I mean, we won't touch on this too much because we've gone on about it a while, but sort of a case they sort of want the season to be over for them, isn't it? I mean, they've obviously got the League Cup final um, this weekend, but it's hard to see that any going anything other than City's way, particularly after their most recent result. Yeah, I mean... I think we're like a broken record with Chelsea. Like, we just, I mean, George has been saying it all season, some of the things like defensively, David Luiz again, I think he was very suspect, especially with the Rashford cross. Like, he just gave him so much space. Um, Jorginho, people know, he, pro- he probably is a good passer, but like, United worked out very early on. If you get Pogba Herrera around him and you make sure you press him high, He's press him high. You're going to get the ball off him because he struggles when he's asked to make passes under pressure. Kante, again, like, I don't know why he's playing further forward. For me, he seems wasted. Like, yeah, he can do a solid job there, but he's probably, with Busquets, the, in the top three defensive midfielders. 
in the world. You could argue he's the best, and you've got him playing further forward. Um, I think as well for me with Sari, he's just so stubborn. He makes the same changes, you know. Barkley, Kovacic, uh, Pedro, William. He didn't bring on Hudson Odoi, which just is infuriating everyone. Why not sell him then if you're not going to use him? I know he's playing tonight, but you know you're you're losing, and you bring on a right back, like <laughs> yeah. It just, just like, like I, I know Aspilicueta. You know, there's an idea. Well, the right back might get further forward, might, but just you're two 0 down. Bring on an attacking player. Go three at the back. Do something. And that's why. I mean, Chelsea. I mean, it's always going to end badly when the Chelsea fans start mocking their own manager and stuff. I cannot see it lasting. I think that, you know, he's just on borrowed time. And I read today that he supposedly had a meeting with Roma officials, which, sorry, which I think is a good idea for him because he, you know, he's he's clearly not going to be given the time to kind of do the job he wants to do. And the Chelsea fans want, want him out now. So I think it's good for him to line up other options for himself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think there's only really only one way this story is going, um, as we've discussed multiple times. Um, yeah. So, uh, for, so for in terms of we now have our um, our quarter finalists for the FA Cup. We've got Chelsea. Oh, not your Chelsea. Not Chelsea. Excuse me. Got Manchester United, Manchester City, who beat Newport. Uh, great, good performance for them. I thought against a much better opposition. I think they did themselves proud, even though they lost. Um, us, Crystal Palace, two uh, 0 win over Doncaster again. It wasn't our best performance, I'd say, but you know, again, we, we sort of we were in a position where we we were we were have the quality to get past Doncaster, even not playing our best. But I thought they did well, and I think they put up a good fight. Just unfortunate for them that they didn't quite have the quality to surpass us. But you know, we went to the hat. That's all that matters, really. Uh, Watford good win over QPR. Uh, Wolves again, solid win at Bristol City. They've got Man United in the next round. Could be very interesting. Um, got uh, Millwall with their win over Wimbledon. Um, and then, last but not least, Brighton with a win over Derby. So, it's a full tie. Wolves v Man United, Swansea v Man City, Palace are away at Watford, and Millwall against Brighton. So, at least two clubs outside the top six are going to be at Wembley, and we could potentially have, you know, I think it's very likely uh, one of them is going to be in the final, perhaps. So, certainly be interested to see how that plays out. Um, so, I mean, Andrew, what's your... Who, who, do, you, who do you think is going to... Who do you think is going to win the FA Cup then? Or was there really only one obvious choice? So I think it's a very, very open competition. I think for only two of the top six to be in the quarters, that's a, it's probably it's good for the competition from a kind of mid-table to lower end of the table and championship because it shows that you can get far if you take your chances when they come along. But for the sponsors, they're probably a little bit annoyed because I know some fans didn't particularly enjoy the FA Cup weekend because they felt there were no, there wasn't, except for Chelsea Manu on the Monday night, no offence to the other teams, there was no real glamour ties. Um, most, like Man City, were playing Newport County away, which is nice, but was always going to end up one way. Most of the ties weren't real glamour ties. So probably it's a good thing for other teams but for the sponsors themselves who obviously probably would want now a Man U Man City final um, they're probably a bit disappointed personally I can see Man City probably winning it however the one thing is I don't think any team is capable of doing the quadruple I 
and unless you have an inc- like City have a great squad, but there's still like we were talking before one or two deficiencies. Um, I think it. I I mean we've I've only we've only ever seen one treble, so I think a quadruple is near impossible. So I think possibly City could falter somewhere along the line, but um, I think Manu might be the dark horses. Yeah, I mean, from a Palace point of view, um, I'd actually rather get City in the final or, or in the way to the final than United because, one, we've proven we can be City already this season. I mean, obviously, it's going to be a tough ask doing it at Wembley with a full-strength team, mm. but it's gonna. I think we've got a better chance because, two, I mean, like I always say, we, 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 I think United, I think even if we won 10 games in a row and United lost 10 games in a row, they'd still beat us. I mean, we literally find new ways to lose to them every season and obviously we haven't got a good record against them in the mm. FA Cup. So, I think I think United certainly have as much of a chance as City, but because particularly like you said, City are going to be focused on getting so many trophies once, yeah. and they are still that weakness in that team. Whereas United are, what do they get one trophy? That's it. That's something they can build on for the next season, particularly with Solskjaer. Um, so I think it's going to be a very interesting into the competition. But I also wouldn't rule out teams like Wolves and Watford either, who have had really good seasons, yeah. and it's certainly going to be an uphill battle for them. But if they can get that result against against if Wolves can beat Manchester United, I think they're certainly in with a chance. Um, yeah. So it's it's Wolves really are the looking... ones. I don't know if Watford can beat a top six side. Could beat Man U or Man City, but Wolves definitely are more than capable. For me, Wolves, if they keep their manager and they continue the way of spending, they are probably the most likely to break the top six. Yeah, of I... all the teams in the Prem, I think Everton were going to be that, but I think they've made some mistakes in the transfer market. Whilst Wolves, for me, just keep turning out player after player they keep getting it right they very rarely make bad transfer decisions and I think, you know, especially with the super agent, Jorge Mendes they've got a they have, a, they have an advantage over a lot of teams so, uh, yeah I think they've got a great chance Yeah, I think Wolves are only going to keep getting stronger from here on out with all that yeah. it's all like the next big billionaire club, so to speak um, who knows, we could be seeing them doing incredible things in even the next 10 years so certainly want to keep your arm. Um, did, they did score via a last-minute foul, just to say against you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, that, that, they, that, that they did. Um, yeah. That, well, yeah, it's, it's funny, but if, I mean, I think if Wolves could sort of, it's, it's obviously the sides outside the top six they struggle with the most. Obviously, they lost to yeah. us at home when we weren't. That's on where VAR would have come in use. Yeah, yeah, yeah but we'll have it nice. next season. So we'll have a lot more chance to talk about it then for sure. Um, so speaking of speaking of money and football and billionaire clubs, um, the latest news is that they have bought a third tier side in China. That adds to their uh, other clubs. Obviously, they've got one in Sydney, um, and they've also got New York City. So obviously, they're growing this kind of franchise of. Uh, you know, having clubs in different continents and so forth. Yeah, Sichuan Junio J-R-U-N-R-U. I'm not even going to try and pronounce yeah. that anymore. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, it's sort of. I, I suppose that I mean, again, like you say, New York City, and now these guys. We know how much money there is in the Chinese Super League nowadays. Um, I mean, is it sort of? There's obvious red flag coming up in terms of you know monopolistic um, companies in football. I mean, is is that is the that the Chinese third tier side though? I mean, that's. I mean, I don't know if you saw it. You know, it's not Sainsbury's Asda 
you know, amalgamating. It is literally a Chinese third tier side. I was surprised at how much, like, oh, is this right? Should they be doing this? Like, for me, this Chinese third tier side, they're probably going to use it to develop perhaps Chinese talents that they want to bring over to Manchester City. Um, I can't see many players being loaned from Man City to China, but I think it would be a good chance for maybe, you know, them to tap into the Asian market and get young Asian-based players. I think one thing you're seeing from City in terms of their business model is you're seeing that they they have youngsters who probably aren't quite good enough for the first team. I think you've seen that with the three players in recent times. Um, the player for Schalke, whose name is escaping me, Brahim Diaz and Jaden Sancho, who the who weren't at that stage good enough for the first team, but they've managed to sell them on for. So Jaden Sancho went for about eight million. I know he's worth much more now. Brahim Diaz went for fifteen million, and the Schalke player went for ten million. So I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to develop young players and then sell them on for profit. Which, whilst it seems unfair, they're not giving youngsters a chance. They are actually making money, so their balance sheet looks much better. So therefore, FFP is much easier for them. So I can see what they're trying to do, and it, you know, if they even if they bring in through one or two, you know, Asian-based players, then you know they're doing a good thing, and it's raising the profile of uh, you know Manchester City in China as well, which is good for their business. Possibly, it's not good for the purity of the game. I don't know if, if I was a fan, I would like my club to be a feeder club for a massive club. I probably wouldn't. It would be something frustrating. But, you know, this Chinese third-tier side now is on the map, really. I don't think anyone had heard of them before. People will know about them now. So Yeah, I think we'll be hearing their name a lot more in the next few years. Yeah, I think I can see the argument with some people aren't happy, like, when... They, the whole team. So I think Vitesse Arnhem had a team at the time where they had literally so many Chelsea players on loan who they'd loaned from Chelsea. And it became as, as if Chelsea was basically owned them. Um, and I know people are, can get a bit uncomfortable like that because they feel they're just using this club to develop their own club, which, is, which isn't really in the nature, spirit of football, really. However... You know, for a club that's maybe struggling financially and needed some cash injection, then maybe it is a good thing. But it's it's hard to weigh up. I don't like I said. I don't think I'd like to be a fan of a if I felt this club was just my club was just being used as a small pawn in a in a big club's game. So, yeah, I think that's more of the worry that it's not necessarily going to make this Chinese side more dominant in their league, although it probably will no. in the end. It's more so about. Manchester City being able to use other clubs to strengthen their hold even more yeah. um, with all the extra assets that they've got basically think, at their disposal. Yeah, one of the things that City I think did well with New York City is they, for instance, they went and they they sent they they had Patrick Vieira who was obviously their kind of academy manager or under twenty threes manager. They went and they said to him, "Look, okay, you can go and manage New York City, develop your skills there." And I think in the long term, they probably wanted to bring Vieira back to, at some stage, to manage City or something. However, obviously he got he's he just wanted to manage properly, and so he's gone to Nice now. He's doing a good job at Nice. So I think they are trying. What they're trying to do is they're trying to develop 
they might be trying to develop people at these other clubs for a bit and then bring them back. But the jump from the Chinese third division to the Premier League must be huge. It's so huge. So it's going to be difficult, but it might be good for some to develop some people and to improve the experience. Yeah. Um, I mean, certainly, certainly something we need to keep more of an eye on. And I think yeah. if it was to be honest, I think it was any league other than the Premier League. Um, which is how competitive it is by nature. City would be absolutely walking all yeah. over it with all the resources they have. Yeah. But there is always, I mean, you can argue it's a case of how much money is in the league that they're not able to do that and other clubs have all the money to help compete with them. Yeah. But I, I still think that there is that chance. And I think the, simply the fact that the Premier League is going to give us that chance to see a bit more of a competition against City. But it'll be interesting to see how this plays out for sure. And to be fair, with the likes of New York City, they haven't completely abused that system. Mm. Although you can argue that there's less resources in the MLS to use, even though it is growing very rapidly. China is growing even more so, I think. Um, so it's a case of, you know, is it a case of, are they are they being fair with the resources they're, they're using? Or are they just, is there just not much stuff to abuse? <laughs> so... So, I guess the only thing really left to talk about is the Let's All Laugh at for the week. Andrew, I believe you had two you want to share with us, so... Yeah, so I'm going to go for, firstly, Mr. Saido Berahino, who... ...to training for Stoke. He then, later the in the evening, he got arrested for drink driving... Um, at the time, he said he had to drive because there was a gang trying to steal his watch or something. However, I think the issue with it is not is the way he went and told Stoke, you know, I feel so terrible. I can't come in. I feel ill. And um, then obviously he gets done for drink driving a few hours later, which, to be honest, when I look at Saido Berahino, I just remember when he first broke through he scored a goal at Old Trafford um, a really good goal and he was scoring goals for West Brom and everyone predicted so much he, he was in the England squad but didn't play and everyone had such high hopes for him but his attitude has been so poor he's now you know in the championship on the bench he's had a drug span he's um, you know he everyone laughed at him for not scoring for nearly for nearly two years and you know, he's there's this constant story from Stoke that he's still always late for training. He's not, you know, participating. He's got bad attitude. And then, you know, he's on a he's on a very good salary at Stoke. He's on fifty, sixty grand a week. And then he goes and does this. And now I think Stoke are kind of fed up and they're looking at ways to sack him. So I do think we should laugh at him because it's just <laughs> error after error. And like. No one is ever going to pay him that amount of money again. You know, I'm. St- I think everyone is still surprised that Mark Hughes splashed twelve million on him when he had so many problems. So you know, if he if he does lose that contract, he's only got himself to blame. And I think we should laugh at him because he's just really done stupid things by doing this. When he's really very very lucky to have a contract like that. So probably I'd go for Saido Berahino. Yeah, very much, very much a fall from grace for him as far as yeah. that's concerned. I mean, it's all. I mean, to be fair, it was only really one good season he had at West Brom, but he was very young and had tremendous potential. Yeah. Um, I remember Newcastle under Pardew, we had a bid. Probably wasn't a real bid, but we bid twenty-two million for him, and it was rejected. And I just think 
sometimes. Like, yeah. wow. <laughs> yeah, dodged a bullet there as far dodged as that's concerned. I remember at the end of this window, ironically, we were linked with him on deadline day. Yeah. Um, obviously, there's a lot of meltdown on Twitter from Palace fans. Um, you know, saying, why the hell are we going to sign him? Rightly so, when he hadn't scored a goal for God knows how long. So a yeah. Premier League goal. And but then you know a few hours later we go and pull off Bashwai. So for all we know it could have been a decoy to try and get our hopes down. Which if that's the yeah. case, fair play, sir, because it definitely worked. Yeah, he's, he's a. I, I feel he's still living. He's one of those players who lives off his first year or two in football. There's certain players who are still living off how they played when they first broke through. You know, some would argue Jack Wilshere has got that that he's still living off how good he was when he was eighteen till twenty. Um, you know, Berahino for me is very similar. That people still think there's that player in there, but really, he hasn't really done anything for a few years now. And uh, I think he's, this is just, a, you know, pro- probably the final straw for him. Um, my other let's all laugh at was this video. I don't know if you saw it from Arsenal, where they basically showed Unai Emery crossing the ball for his strikers. And basically, they had like inflatable defenders. Um, it's a bit of a joke, but anyway, the the strikers were missing every single chance. It was quite funny that even you know playing against you know inflatable balloon defenders, they still couldn't score, which I kind of find funny. But to be fair to Arsenal, they have just won three 0 against Bato. So, uh, but yeah, that made me laugh as well. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. I mean, it certainly would have been more embarrassing if they hadn't won that game for whatever reason. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I suppose the only real nomination I've got uh, is from a palace from a palace perspective. Um, obviously, we all know about the Wayne Hennessy incident by now. The whole oh, just uh, remind me. <laughs> you did not see it coming. Um, yeah. I had to slip that one in there. I'm sorry. That was really, um, really typical. But anyways, um. So, obviously, now that we've got to the quarterfinals against Watford in the FA Cup, um, I mean, even despite getting there, Roy Hodgson's been sort of hesitant about playing our strongest team. Even against Spurs, he played a weaker side. His priority is very much staying in the Premier League, even though a lot of us think he should be aiming higher than that with the team that we have. Um, but that's that's the route he's taking. And so it's because of that, because people are so unsure whether or not he'll play a full-strength side against Watford, and because we don't trust Hennessy as much as a keeper anymore. I mean, certainly compared to Guaita, he's not as reliable. Some Palace fans, I'm pretty sure this is a joke, at least I certainly hope it is. Some Palace fans have actually started a petition for the FA to ban Hennessy for his actions just so he can miss that Watford game and Roy has no excuse to play him. I just think that it just shows how little faith that we have in both our, our goalkeeper yeah. and our manager. And I think how you know, we are to get yeah, away with you know, you know, you, you know, you probably should leave clubs when the club is, when the fans yeah. are hoping. Like, I always remember, like, there's certain players that we've had over time, and like, you see them go down injured, and you kind of, you're not disappointed at all. You're kind of, you're kind of thinking, well, <laughs> that might be a good thing. And I, I remember Obertan, Obertan one time, he went down with a hamstring injury. And I was just smiling because I just didn't think he should have been playing for the last three months. And <laughs> so I was like, oh, finally he's going to get dropped. Because there are certain players who seem undroppable, I think. Yeah. And it gets so frustrating when you think there's someone better or he's not done anything for the last few months. And then sometimes it does need an injury or a suspension 
to uh, to get them out of the team, which is just you know sometimes it is ridiculous. But yeah, yeah. I mean, Hennessy is definitely the biggest example of Palace. Yeah. You know he's made mistake after mistake after mistake for years now, and three different managers. To be fair, it's also it was also a case of a lack of options for a long time. But three different managers have insisted on continuing starting for him, and even Hodgson. To be fair, now that he's got Guaita and has played him, you know. In the league, started playing it more in the league games, but the FA, like I said, doesn't take the cup game seriously enough, in my opinion. And I just wish we had a better backup keeper. I mean, because when Speroni came in, he did great against Spurs, and he's 39. So what does that say about you? But I mean, he's got two years left on the. Speroni didn't do very well against Liverpool. Which is... No, he didn't. But he, yeah, that is, he didn't. No, but he's he's allowed more slip ups because he's a club legend. So. Oh. Um, but he's I, I, a fair I, choice keeper who gets paid a huge amount of money. I'm just he doesn't get paid that much, to be honest. I'm he's sure sort of, he does. He's the sort of player who I, I'm not saying he's getting paid like pennies, but he's also the sort of player who wouldn't demand millions. He just wants to play at the club. He clearly loves the club and wants to stay there. So, I mean, I definitely think he's earning less than Hennessy. Put it that way. Williamson, he, I think Mike Mike Williamson under Pardew. He seen there was a stage where he was playing absolutely dreadfully, and uh, he just never got dropped and no. we just didn't understand it and then he got an injury and like suddenly everything everything improved after Dude, that wasn't it John Carver who accused himself of getting deliberately sent off against yeah. I think it was Leicester it must, I mean either way that must have been a relief for you lot John, John Carver though I mean lots of, like for me that is someone this is why like I, I always think as a fan I could do that you know you always think deep down you think oh yeah I could be the manager I know enough but then you, um, John Carver, generally, I think he's the exact reason why fans shouldn't be managers because he just he just got too emotionally involved. He said stupid things. He said he was the best coach in the country. He just he's just completely unqualified. And that is another example of Ashley mismanagement, really. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, out of all those, I think I mean you're gonna have to go with Berahino, aren't you? Um, with all the stuff. I think Berahino. I think the fact that he called in sick. <laughs> That's, yeah, that's I mean, brilliant. it's just sort of a case of just be honest about it, mate. We know you've had a tough time. We know, we know that you know things, things like that. You know, when you're a football, even if it is irresponsible, you can understand why. You know, might need a bit of time to pull yourself together. It's just, like it you're making me of, uh, Do you remember when um, Steve Bruce was Villa manager? Ross McCormack. He said he couldn't, he couldn't get out of his house because because um, his electronic gates were broken. And uh, he couldn't. He he couldn't get out. He'd he'd call the electric guy to come over. So Steve Bruce didn't believe him. So he drove round, and the electronic gates were fine. So he knew it was this. Knew it was nonsense. I mean, I do love that. You know, when they call in sick or they do something, and it turns out it's absolute, absolutely not true. I think Usman Dembele did it earlier in the year where he said that he was really, really ill, he couldn't come in. So Barcelona sent the doctor round and there was absolutely nothing wrong with him. Yeah, I suppose you can't blame players in a way because these sort of situations <laughs> are embarrassing, but it's even more embarrassing when you lie about it and then we find out anyway, so you yeah. might as well be honest. Uh, or the um, Stephen Island where he said that he couldn't play because his grandfather had died and then Island checked something and then they found that his grandfather was alive he said no no no, my other grandfather and then island checked that and then it turns out that all his grandparents were alive and it was a lie <laughs> which is just <laughs> which is just just shocking the best part about that is that he clearly hasn't even remembered you know which of his yeah. grandparents are alive and or not that he can even no, pull off the, a story 
all of them were alive. Well, exactly, that's the point. Is the, you can't even abs- remember whether they were like, alive. Why or not. he lied about that? Like, out of all the things to lie about, it's just, just really. Well, that's what I think. Maybe it's a case of just he genuinely didn't remember if they were still alive or not. So he just thought, I, well, I I'll chance one of it and see if he is. I just I mean, think he should have just said, I feel sick or I've got a headache or something. You don't have to kill off your family members. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's sort of it's it's just you ridiculous. know we laugh about it, but he never played for Ireland again after that. Yeah, so you know it was a big thing at the time. So yeah, so there's a moral sort of a story. Don't lie about stuff about deaths, basically. Yeah, about or about anything. Don't like it. <laughs> yeah, don't lie. Yeah, I think that's all that sort of things. Yeah, yeah, don't um, lie. Pretty much. So, yeah, that's all for this episode. Remember, we are now on iTunes, Spotify, and uh, Audio Boom. You can find us at Let's All Laugh At, a football podcast. So be sure to follow us and drop a rating. Uh, you can find each of our work, myself and Andrews, at lastwordonfootball.com and extratimetalk.com, respectively. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you all next time. Take care. <laughs>